Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A, Illinois. This is the sermon for Sunday, June 2nd, 2019, the seventh Sunday of Easter. The sermon is entitled, The Mystery of One, and is based on John, chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. It was preached by Pastor Mike Hannell. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you're here last week, uh, we celebrated early the ascension of Jesus, which uh, 40 days after the resurrection would have actually have taken place on Thursday. Uh, and if you were here and listening, you would know that one of the things that Pastor mentioned that, that Jesus is doing while he has now ascended to the right hand of his Father is that he is actively interceding for us. That is, that Jesus is now praying for us, which is a really awesome bit of good news. I mean, we still pray for us, right? There, there are a lot of things that we pray for each and every day. Uh, we pray for health and healing. Uh, we pray for our farmers, that dry weather would come so that they would be able to get out in the fields and plant. Uh, we pray for wisdom and guidance. We pray for patience, and the list goes on and on. But those are the things that we pray for. What What is it that Jesus prays about? What does Jesus pray about for us? I suppose one answer could be, I don't know. I don't know what Jesus is praying about, but I sure hope he's praying for something good. But perhaps a better answer is that Jesus is praying for the same things that he prayed for when he was here on earth with his disciples. And our gospel reading today highlights one of those important things that Jesus is praying about specifically for you this day. As we listen to Jesus' prayer, he begins, I pray not only for them, that is, not just for the disciples that were gathered in that upper room on that Thursday, but he says, I pray also for those who will believe, believe in me through the message that these bring to them. Now that's us. We are those who believe in Jesus because of the message of those apostles. See, unless Jesus had commissioned those apostles and sent them out to proclaim that good news, to bring the good news of Jesus to all of the world, none of us would be here. Now, we didn't hear from those apostles firsthand. We weren't there 2,000 years ago but the only reason that you believe in Jesus, the only reason you know who Jesus is, is because those first apostles, the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, wrote down their testimony. And it was preserved and kept in Scripture for us to this very day, so that as we read Scripture, as we read those Gospels, we are reading and hearing the message of those first apostles. So we know that Jesus 
is not just praying for the disciples there and then, but he is praying and thinking about us this very day. But what is it that he is praying for? He's praying for us, but what is he praying that we would have? Well, Jesus says, I pray that they would be one, as you, Father, and I are one. Now, in a couple of weeks, we'll be celebrating the Feast of Holy Trinity. This is a day that's set aside in the church calendar for us to to thank God and praise our God for who he is, for who he has revealed himself to be, and he has revealed himself to be three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet one God. Now, none of us can understand that. We, we don't understand how that's possible. And yet that is who our God is. It is who he has revealed himself to us to be time and time again. And as he has done that, he's revealed that there is this closeness, this communion, this intimacy between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that they are separate and distinct, and yet they are one. John talks about this in his gospel. At the very beginning, he says the word was God and was with God, that is, the Father, and that nothing that was made was made without that word, without the Son. So there at creation, the Father and the Son are there. And in in Genesis, we also have read about how the Spirit was hoovering over the waters and how the Spirit of life was breathed into Adam. And so we know that creation is our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all working together, one purpose in that unity. And Jesus talked about how it wasn't just then that that happened, but that was true all throughout his ministry as well. Jesus said he was sent to do the works of his Father. And as Jesus was active, as he was in that ministry and preaching and teaching and performing the miracles, he told people, it's not just me who is working. The Father is at work in me and through me. So that oneness, that unity, that being united in purpose, that closeness, that communion, that intimacy that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit share. That's what Jesus is praying for, for us. That we might have that oneness and unity, not only with one another, but also with God. So how do we get that? It sounds good. How do we get that unity, that oneness? Is it up to us to try to to put it together, to manufacture, to make it happen here and now? I hope not. I hope it isn't. Because if you think about it, we don't have a very good track record with that kind of thing. We don't have a very good history with trying to create unity and oneness. Just a few examples. Our country... It was founded with that name, the United States of America, and it sounds so good. But we've already fought one civil war, and though we are 50 United States right now, how united are we? 
Some would say not very. There's a lot of divisions. There's a lot of disunity. There are diversity of opinion on any number of issues. There are class tensions, racial tensions. You name it, it's there. On a more personal level, think about a different example. In marriage, we like to believe that that truth from Scripture, the two shall become one, is the truth. And yet our world doesn't often show this as being true. Yes, two become one, but through a court proceeding, through a legal document, we can take those two that have become one and we can separate them again. Divorce is a common answer for some in getting out of their marriages. But that isn't the unity that Jesus is talking about. Not a fractured unity, not a divided unity, not a unity that that seems like a unity but then can be taken apart again. Jesus is talking about a true unity. And if there is a true unity, it cannot be divided. You cannot divide one by any number and still remain a whole. It will always be a fraction. It will always be a part of that whole. And that's not what Jesus is praying for. He is praying for this perfect unity, this whole unity, this true unity. And it seems we can't achieve it. Now, we could go back to our examples and come up with a lot of different reasons of why the disunity exists in our world and in our relationships. But ultimately, theologically, we must know that the reason comes down to sin. Sin is always going to stand in the way of creating unity because by its very nature, sin divides. It divides us against one another. It divides us against God. And until we fix the sin problem, there can be no unity. And none of us, none of us on our own can fix the sin problem. So maybe that's why Jesus prays for unity. If we could accomplish unity on our own, why would Jesus even have to pray for it? It would just happen. But as it is, Jesus must pray for unity, and he prays that his Father would accomplish it, that his Father would bring this unity about, because otherwise, it's never going to happen. So how is it that the Father accomplishes this unity among us? The answer is actually not that surprising, and it's not all that difficult. The Father brings about this unity through faith in Jesus. Go back to Jesus' words of that prayer. Jesus prays for us who will believe in him through the message of those apostles that we would be one. Now, we focus on the that we would be one part, but we can't forget what comes before it. Jesus is praying for those who will believe through the message of those apostles. See, there is no unity. There is no oneness. There is no united purpose, no closeness, no affinity without that message. Without that message of the apostles. Without that gospel message. Without that truth. 
that Jesus has come and died for our sins and risen again. See, ultimately, there can be no unity apart from Jesus. And Jesus is the one who accomplishes that unity. See, think about that message. What was the message that the apostles brought to people? It was very simple. All have sinned. But Jesus paid the price for that sin, dying upon the cross. And now, because of Jesus, because of God's grace, through faith in Him, we have forgiveness. Or think about it another way. There are a lot of things that divide us. Some of those things are superficial. Some of those things are very deep and personal. But if we all stand before the cross, all of those differences go away. Instead, we see the similarities. We all stand before the cross of Christ as sinners, as those who have fallen short of the glory of God. But we also stand before the cross of Jesus as those for whom Jesus died, those for whom he paid that price so that through faith in him, we would be forgiven. We're not just sinners. We are sinners who have been forgiven by Jesus' death. See, that's the oneness. That's the unity that we have because of what Jesus has done. Now, we struggle sometimes because we don't always see this unity. We don't always see this oneness. And that's true. But here, as we stand at the end of Easter, after the ascension of Jesus, just think again about the things that Jesus has done to bring about that oneness. See, sometimes we doubt whether that oneness is really true, whether it's really real. But the end of Easter and the, and the end of Ascension, it brings into focus all that Jesus has done to make us one. So sin, it divides us. But Jesus paid the price for our sin. And so sin no longer can divide us, for we are forgiven. Death. None of us can stand up to death. Death divides us from one another. But Jesus has defeated death. Jesus has taken away the power of death by rising again on the third day. Or think about how Adam and Eve, because of their disobedience, they were banished from that garden. They were banished from the presence of God. But Jesus, who is the true Son of Man, has ascended to the right hand of the Father to show us that man's proper place, our proper place, humankind's proper place is with God now and forevermore. That's the unity. That's the oneness that we have. But we only have it in Christ. If you've ever studied or read through the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, 
you would know that one of the big themes of that letter is unity. The unity that we have in Christ. Specifically, Paul was talking and emphasizing the unity that Jews and Gentiles have in Christ. But it's a unity that we have in Christ. And one of the famous verses from that letter, Paul talks about how there is one body and one spirit. Just as there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Now I confess that this oneness, this unity that Jesus is talking about is a mystery. It's a mystery because as I said, we don't always see it. But we must believe it. We must believe that it is true, that it is real. And in fact, in just a little bit, we're going to do that. In the Nicene Creed, you will speak those words, I believe in the one holy and Christian church. We believe it because we don't always see it. But a day is coming And the day is coming soon when what we say we believe but cannot see, we will see with our own eyes. The reality of that oneness and unity that we have in Christ will be seen and will be enjoyed by all. This is the day that Jesus will return. In that reading that John read from Revelation It talks about the day of Jesus' return as like the day that the groom comes for his bride, that Jesus comes for his bride, the church. And now that we're in the summer season, thinking a lot about weddings, ask a bride and groom sometime, are they looking forward to their wedding day? Now, there might be a lot of stress and planning that, you know, they're worried about getting that done, but absolutely, they're looking forward to that wedding day, to that day of their union. And we too should look forward and yearn for the day of Jesus' return. The day that we will enjoy that union in its perfection. But until that day, let us too pray with Jesus that we may be one. Let us live lives of repentance and receive God's forgiveness. Until that day, let us come to the Lord's table and partake of that one bread and one cup, the foretaste of the feast to come. Until that day, let us cry out, come. Until we hear Jesus saying, I am coming. I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.